All right. Good morning once again. We are this morning going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. If you could turn there. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read. Let's read verses 9 and 10. We're going to focus our time this morning on verse 10. We'll start out with 9 and 10. Paul says there, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Let's pray one more time and ask for God's help. Father in heaven, once more, we seek your help that you would be with us in this hour, that you would help me to speak clearly and to honor your word and to help us understand its truths. And we pray that Christ would be honored and glorified, that your name would be exalted. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a confession to make at the beginning. Uh, Keith called me out on it earlier, but I do love movies. I love movies. I love Marvel movies. I didn't say anything to the Night Roger about it because I didn't want to you know, jump the gun here, but I do love Marvel movies. I love superhero movies in general. It really doesn't matter who it is. I'll just eat it all up. Uh, Iron Man, Thor, Black Panther, Spider-Man, and even Aquaman. I love even Aquaman, all right? The only one that I don't really like, though, is Superman. Not a Superman fan because it's just not fair. Like, he, he just has, it's unrealistic. Um, it has to feel, <laughs> it has to feel that it can be real. Like, I, that could happen to me for it to be, for it to be enjoyable. Or enjoyable. Um, beyond superheroes, I just love the idea in general of superhuman powers. Like, Harry Potter, big fan of the magic, all the magic things is, is fun. I've watched a few anime over my years over my years, um, not over my ears. And it, it's even best when it's like the underdog, like Naruto, the, the weakest guy becomes the strongest guy. Like that's, that's just the best. Uh, in general, moving beyond anime, you guys are laughing. I watched anime before. I watched Naruto before I think lots of y'all were born, but it's great. Uh, training arcs in general, in movies are like the best parts of the movie. If you ever, uh, my favorite one, I don't know if you identify, but in, in Rocky, Rocky Four. Rocky. So if you haven't seen Rocky, the short summary of Rocky is that he's a boxer. He he beats people up. He he sometimes almost loses, but then he wins. Okay, that's the summary. But in Rocky Four, spoiler, sorry. He fights a guy named Drago, and, and he loses, and then becomes like the most epic training scene uh, of all movies, and it's just so good, and then he wins. Um, all good movies have a training arc, have this 
not all of them, many good movies have a training arc. Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, they all, they all have this section where they're, they're weak, and then they go back and they practice and they learn and they grow, and then, then they become strong. Uh, it almost brings it home like it could be me, you know, it could be me. <laughs> Probably not. I love strength. I didn't realize it until I was sitting down and writing this. I was like, man, I, I, I love strength. Have you ever seen the world advertise weakness? Like, come join this club. You can be as weak as us. <laughs> like, I would never sell. No one would join. Um, I saw a thing online recently. It was a little video of a, of a, a it was a baseball coach talking to the, his team before a game. And he was, he was telling his kids, there's two kinds of people in this world, winners and losers. And I know some of your dads probably told you before you came here today, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. I hate to break it to you, they're losers. <laughs> We're here to win. I was like, dang, uh, glad my kid's not in that team because we'd have a talk. Uh, but this is how the world thinks. It does not advertise weakness. It does not celebrate weakness. Um, it celebrates strength. Another fun little video to share from, from the get-go here. I, I saw a funny thing. I shared this with some of you already, I think, but it was uh, from the perspective of like, what, if we, what if we treated introverts, what if we treated extroverts the same way we treat introverts? And this guy walks up to the camera. He's like, hey, are, are you okay? I just thought I'd check on you. I mean, I, just now I saw you talking to like everybody. You were the center of attention for like hours. Like, is something wrong? <laughs> it, we, we value certain things over others. We think being extrovert is great and we think introversion is wrong or something. We think there's weakness there, but we, we have a wrong perspective often on a lot of these things. The only time the world really nods to weakness is when it leads to strength. When you can be a self-made man, self-made woman, rags to riches. Because weakness is not fun, is it? Just think of how many times I lost an assassin yesterday. <laughs> so fast. So fast. Uh, it's not fun. Weakness does not let you achieve your goals. Uh, the world loves strength because strength is, is its only hope. They themselves are their only hope. And I want to talk to you this morning about weakness, about weakness. I think it's relevant. <laughs> I think it's relevant to our subjects of the fear of man. And I think it's relevant to pretty much everyone, and especially adolescents, if I may say so. Many of our fears are driven by our, our sense of weakness. They go hand in hand. And so much of adolescence is trying to prove ourselves to one another. Prove ourselves to ourselves or to one another. Is there any ego, do you think, amongst high school and middle school boys? No. Yes. <laughs> he laughs. Is there any ego amongst high school and middle school girls? Yes. Yeah. Did we bring any of that here? Yeah. We did. <laughs> I think it's relevant to us, and we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and our weakness and onto Christ, okay? So where, where are we in our journey, how we've come here so far? 
we've, we've been making this journey. We've been hiking up the mountain. Uh, we, we scaled to the peak last night, and we saw God's great love for us, that even while we were sinners, he loves us. And he, he even considers us to be his treasured possession, his beloved children, his inheritance. And now we jump. And we jump and we try to we're going to try to flesh out what it looks like uh, to live this way, to live rooted in God's love. Um, or we were supposed to jump, at least. Some of us are still standing at the edge and we're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> it looks pretty scary. It, it looks pretty scary. Uh, we find ourselves weak from the get go. We, find, we, we start to try to follow Christ and obey, and we realize we don't really know how to handle every situation. There's some, there's some circumstances that are pretty difficult and pretty hard. Life is not as smooth as we expect. And what I want to tell you this morning is that we are weak, and that's okay. We are weak, and that's okay. God wants us to learn dependent effort. Dependent effort. Let us dispense with our ego. Let us dispense with trying to prove ourselves because we are all actually weak, and that's okay. But being weak doesn't mean we're lazy. We work at what God has given us to do. But working hard doesn't mean that we're relying on ourselves. We continue to rely on him, okay? So there's two main parts, and I retitled the outline a bit from what you have but it's about the same. Uh, weakness means dependence is the first point, and weakness means effort is the second point. The first one, weakness means dependence. I think yours says dependence, not independence. So verse eight, we find that Paul knows he's weak, doesn't he? Paul knows that he's weak. He says, or verse nine, sorry, I am the least of the apostles. I am unworthy to be called an apostle. How do you think of the Apostle Paul, I wonder? If you're familiar with him, what do you think about him? You're like, man, what a, what a weak guy. <laughs> I don't think that about him. I think apart from Jesus, he was like the most successful Christian probably to have ever lived. How many times have I thought like, man, if I could just be more like the, the mighty Apostle Paul. He's, he's amazing. Uh, the most successful Christian, missionary, pastor, church planter, apostle. Most of the book of Acts is dedicated to the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and how he was the one that, that led the, the uh, missionary outreach to the ancient Greek world. Um, he wrote the majority of the New Testament, at least in like numbers of letters. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. Uh, mostly to various churches, and his letters contain the, the richest and the most clear explanations, I would say, of the Christian gospel. If only we could be like Paul. But Paul says, I, I'm not even worthy, guys, to be called an apostle. I am the least. Unworthy. Because he persecuted the church of God. His, his past sin, it, it hung heavy on him, but... And as, as life went on, it became more and more. His view of himself didn't get better. <laughs> it got worse. He would say in 1 Timothy 1 that I'm the foremost of sinners. 
I'm the foremost of sinners. Turn with me to First Corinthians, or we're in First Corinthians. Jump to chapter two, if you would. This is not just his view of his former sin. This is his view of of himself, of his ministry. First Corinthians two three, describing the time that he was with the Corinthians in person. He says, "I was with you in weakness." And in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. He says, I didn't have any any fancy wisdom to share with you guys. I didn't have great outlines or whatever. I had I had a, a humble, simple ministry. Turn jump to Second Corinthians if you would. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight. 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says there, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He's like, guys, I was so discouraged I was so much in despair, I I thought we were going to die. I thought we were going to die. Jump to chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. He's talking about the ministry, the New Testament ministry of the gospel. And he says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Paul's like, you know how I think of myself? I'm like a jar of clay. Not some ornate porcelain vase I'm a jar of clay back to 1 Corinthians 15 he says I am what I am verse 10 by the grace of God I am what I am he owns his past he owns who he is he doesn't excuse it He acknowledges it. He's not pretending to be humble. He actually is. (laughs) He has a low view of who he is. He, he, He knows his weakness, his sin. He knows his emptiness without God. But he doesn't stop there, right? He relies on grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And grace, we know this word, Hopefully, we are part of Grace Bible Church. Grace is, a, is an important uh, big word in the New Testament, in, in Christianity. Grace is God's unmerited love. Grace looks at us and sees us as guilty, but shows kindness still. Uh, grace is the motive of God to save us, the, the bedrock of salvation, not because we're lovely, but because he loved us. He loved us because he chose to love us. That's grace. Uh, grace is often a summary for the entire the entire gospel. Uh, and if you could jump with me to Romans, jumping around a bit, Romans six. Romans six fourteen. 
Paul can say this, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but you are under grace. You are under grace. Those are two possible ways to live life, under law or under grace, ruled by the law of God, ruled by merit, earning or or being judged, or to live under grace, grace as the ruling principle of our world, grace as the air that we breathe. We are under grace in the gospel. And Paul says that he is what he is because, entirely because of the grace of God. From the beginning to the end, it all is because of the grace of God. So I want you to see that Paul is just repeating our theme in different words, right? We're we're saying here this week that we are to be rooted in God's love. That's the same as Paul saying, I am what I am because of the grace of God. That is everything about my life, why it is and, and what it's about. My life is rooted in God's grace. He's saying it makes me all that I am. Everything about me that's not blaspheming and persecuting the church is only because of God's grace. That's what made me a non-blasphemer. That has made me everything that I am. My identity, my ministry is based on, it's rooted in the love of God for me that's a free gift that we might call grace. That's what he's saying. And what I want you to see is that this is dependence. Paul is here showing his dependence upon God. He's trusting in God's grace for forgiveness. But it goes beyond trusting in him. He's also relying on God's grace to continue to work in him, to continue to grow him, to make his work more and more effective. He says everything he does, he gives God the credit for. Look at verse 10, the second half. He says, uh, his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the work, uh, sorry, not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So he was working, but even in all of his work, all of his things that he was doing, he gives all the credit to God's grace. I'm utterly dependent on the grace of God is what he's saying. These are the words of someone who is dependent, not Jesus got me into the race, the gospel gets me in, and then I and I do the rest. I get a second chance, and now I get to work hard. I get to pay him back. Just, I'm a trophy of his grace. That's what Paul's saying. My, my whole life is, I'm a trophy of his grace. And I want you to note how comfortable he is in his weakness. He is, he is content in this weakness. I find this comforting. He's like, yeah, I'm weak. I am what I am. That's me. And in 2 Corinthians, if you could jump there, jumping all over. 2 Corinthians 12. Luke preached on this recently at at Grace. And if you weren't there to listen to it, you should look it up. It's on the website. It was a great message. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Paul says, or from verse 8, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, this struggle that he was going through, uh, that it should leave me. But Jesus, he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I will boast in my weaknesses. We, we love to boast in our strengths. He says, I will boast in my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, I am content. The word content is I take pleasure in. I find joy in. And it's continual. I continually take pleasure in my weaknesses. Do you feel that way? Do you take pleasure in insults? Do you take pleasure in calamities? Do you feel content with hardships? I don't very easily. That is not my natural response to insults, weaknesses, hardships. I am not so comfortable in my weaknesses. And I, as I was writing this, this message actually, uh, just got slapped in the face with this, <laughs> confronted with this. I was, I was up one night, I was working on this message. I had my extra cup of coffee and I was going and I was starting to doze. I was getting tired. And so I went to bed, it was about 12.30 and I, I, I go to go to bed and who do I find? Still totally awake and working on her photography stuff was my wife. And and she was totally not tired. And she was pressing on. And she was she was fine. And how did I feel? I felt pretty weak. I was like, man, and, and she's also probably gonna wake up early in the morning and make breakfast for everyone. It'd be totally fine, and I'm gonna be tired and uh, weak in the morning. And my first thought was not I will boast in this weakness. <laughs> I am well content with this feeling of weakness. I was grumbling. I, I was bummed. Um, I was like, man, I, I'm just weak sauce. But Paul learned to boast, learned to be content in his weakness. So how? How does he think this way? How does this work? Um, he says it here. So that the power of Christ may rest on me. Because it's when we're weak that it's clear that who is at work? God is at work when we're weak. When we are strong, then we can take the credit. But when we're weak, it shows that God is the one that's strong and he's at work. To finish off some of the verses we read earlier, I didn't keep going, but it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5, He's, after he said, I was w with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, not in plausible words of wisdom, he says, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That's what was happening when I am weak. It's showing that the spirit is powerful and he's the one at work. So that, he says, your faith may rest not on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Also in 2 Corinthians 4, after he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay, he says, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So that when we are weak and we look ridiculous and people look at us and say, is this guy for real even? Like that he's, a, he's kind of a joke. He's just standing up there weak and trembling 
uh, talking about the gospel. But people believe and they're saved and lives are changed. Then it's clear that it's not the guy standing in front speaking, but it's God who is at work, his spirit who is changing hearts and changing lives. Being weak does not disqualify you from serving God. This is something I've been learning. Being weak doesn't disqualify you from serving God. It qualifies you. Qualifies you to serve God. So, newsflash, we are weak. We are creatures, not the creator. How does God view me? He views me as weak. (laughs) And that's okay. And he loves us. We say, God, I'm only human. He says, that's what I'm here for. Sleep. I was talking to Luke at the, at the church retreat about sleep. Just thinking about sleep. God made us, friends, so that we would spend a whole third of our life just lying still, doing nothing. It's like, okay, what are we going to be like thinking during that time? Can we read? Nope. You get to do nothing. Just You're not even going to be conscious. <laughs> You'll just lie still for one third of your time. He designed life. He designed us for us to learn that we are weak. Jump with me, if you would, to Psalm 50. Psalm 50 is one of, one of my favorites. We'll start in verse 7. God says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Verse 8. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast on the, of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and all its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. God says, I don't, with all due respect, I don't need you. I don't need you. I I don't drink the blood of bulls. If I were hungry, I wouldn't ask for a meal. I own the world. (laughs) He said, here's how it's going to work. You're going to be in trouble and then you ask me for help, and then I help you, <laughs> and then you glorify me. That's the deal. We, we depend upon him. He helps us. He receives the glory. John Piper says, we get the help, he gets the glory. <laughs> it's a great deal. <laughs> he calls us to humbly submit our requests to him, to trust in him, not to force him, twist his arm to do what we want but to humbly come before him and ask for his help. We, we are dependent, okay? That's the first point. Weakness means dependence. Weakness also, if I may say, means effort. 
Weakness means effort. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I worked harder than the rest of them. I'm in the wrong place, but that's what he says. <laughs> I worked harder than the rest of them, though it was not I. Effort is not a bad word, okay? A lot of times I think Christians act like or think maybe that effort, working hard, is maybe not words we're supposed to say in church. Uh, the wrong view of the Christian life is we just sit back and we just like pray all day long. I'm just going to sit there, read my Bible, and pray nonstop. Um, why don't you, you know, trust God to clean your floors, huh? <laughs> you, what's the matter? You don't trust God to get you to work, to school. That's why you're driving your car. You don't trust God to prepare a meal for you. Why are you cooking? Right? That's silly. That's not what faith means. I remember actually reading about a woman. I forget who it was or where I read it. But there was this lady... And she would pray before everything that she did. She would lie in bed and be, and be like, Lord, should I get up today? And wait. And she would wait until she felt like she got an answer. Then she'd get up and be like, Lord, should I get dressed today? And wait. <laughs> that's not faith, friends. That's not what faith is about. If that's how you think of it, I want you to know that's not what it is. Um, if you're driving and there's an accident in front of you, you don't have to pray, Lord, should I step on the brakes before you step? Just step on the brakes, okay? <laughs> he, he gives us wisdom. He wants us to live our lives in wisdom, to work hard with what he's entrusted to us by faith. So faith is not laziness. Faith, we're on point two now. Weakness is not laziness. Weakness means effort. Paul worked harder. I worked harder than any of them. <laughs> You're like, yikes, Paul. No need to compare. No need to compare, okay? We're not talking about them. Paul's not boasting, though. He's not boasting. He's saying, it's not about me. I worked harder, but it wasn't me. It was God working in me, working through me. And yet he can say in 1 Corinthians 9, I beat my body so that I would, into submission, <laughs> So that I, well, we're right there, 1 Corinthians 9, just a few pages over. Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run! Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control that I may share with them in its blessings. He's like, are you boxing a person or the air? <laughs> are you running to win or are you just walking along in life? He's like, I'm not aimless, I'm not confused about what I'm doing in life. I'm running. I'm running. I'm exerting effort. The Christian life includes effort. And you would even say, I think we could even say effort is a requirement. Maybe a bit better, it is inevitable. Effort is inevitable in the Christian life. Back to the plate of cookies, just to explain what inevitable means. Um, inevitable is something that's certain to happen. Inevitable means certain to happen. And if there's a plate of cookies at our house, 
that by evening time only has like two left, it is inevitable that by morning they will be gone because the parents will have eaten them. Our, our children know this, that if there's like two, one slice of cake left, it's inevitable that by morning it's going to be gone, okay? It's not going to be there. And effort is inevitable in the Christian life. We will, people who have come to know Christ, if you've put your faith in Christ for forgiveness, it's inevitable that you will follow after him. Back to First John, or just John 15, I'll read it for you. We read it the other day. Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. It's as we bear fruit, it's as we walk in obedience, that we show that we're his disciples. Does it make you disciples? It shows that you're disciples. The fruit shows that the tree is healthy, right? The, the, the fruit doesn't make the tree healthy. The, the fruit is an evidence that the tree is healthy. He also said later in that verse, Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If someone is alive, for example, they will certainly be breathing. They will certainly be breathing, right? Keith, you can keep me accountable on this. Is that true? Yes. yes. If a person's alive, they will be breathing. Imagine if you had a person lying around, sadly was dead for some reason. Maybe he got shot. And would you say, ah, I see. He must have stopped breathing. That's the problem. You're like, cause of death, stopped breathing. <laughs> so what? He's not breathing. Uh, not breathing is a symptom of being dead, not the cause. Bad analogy. I know in some cases not breathing can be the cause. What we're talking about uh, the many other cases where not breathing is, is not the cause. It's a symptom of being dead, right? Obeying Jesus is a symptom of having believed in him. It's an inevitable symptom, like breathing is, is true for people who are alive. And Paul says, the grace of God did not misfire in my life. It was not in vain. I, I proved to be a true disciple uh, of Jesus. When God reached out to rescue me, it resulted in a real change in my life. Things changed about me. I can say that. that. That happened to me. I believed in Jesus and things changed about my life. Because he changed me. His, his grace was at work in my life. I want to ask you, can you say that this morning? Can you say, something's changed about my life. I used to be this way. And I'm not that way anymore. I used to want these things. And I don't want them anymore. Do you come here this morning to this retreat uh, because you normally go to church? Simply because your parents go to church? Or have you come to know Jesus? Have you come to put your trust in him and say, this faith is mine. He, his grace has been at work in my life. Not in vain. He changed me. Another thing to see here, when he says his grace was not in vain, 
I think we can see that two ways. We can see it how I just said, like he, he did a thing to me from the outside. He changed me. But I think we can also see it as Paul's own motivation. His own motivation for his obedience was because of the grace of God. He worked harder than the rest because he was in love with the grace of God. I think it's interesting. He doesn't say, I worked harder than the rest because man, God is holy. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I worked harder than the rest because it's just the right thing to do. He didn't say that. He says, I worked harder than the rest. Why? Because of the grace of God. Here's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. The passage right before the one uh, that Luke read earlier. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us. Some translations say compels us. It's somewhere between compels and, and controls, constrains us, you might say. The love of, of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So why do we do what we do? Because our lives are not our own anymore. He redeemed us. He rescued us. And the love of Christ is what controls, constrains, compels us. This is the motive for Christian obedience. Not performance, not fear, but the love of Christ. Do you see that? He doesn't say, I need to work hard to say thank you to God. He doesn't say that. Not primarily gratitude. Not primarily, it's not at all trying to repay some debt. We shouldn't think of obedience that way. We should think of it as, uh, I am firmly rooted in God's love for me. God's love is the foundation for my life. God's love provides the structure and the direction for my life. Like the roots of a tree, right? When the, the winds come, when the hurricanes come, what's going to keep the tree in the ground? <laughs> it's the roots. And he says, the roots constrain the tree, you might say. Does a tree want to be constrained into the ground? Yes. yes. That's not a bad constraining. That's the right kind of constraining. And he says, that's what the love of Christ does. It constrains me. It controls me to continue following after him and keep doing what he has called me to do towards effort. Why? Because he loved me. He loves me. So that's the second part. Weakness means effort. Weakness means dependence, and weakness means effort. And now very briefly, let's try to put them together and talk about dependent effort. Dependent effort. Three different ways that this looks like. What does it look like to show dependent effort? One, it looks like prayer. Prayer is one of the most direct ways that we express our dependence on God, and it's work, isn't it? It's work to keep at it, to be consistent. So my question is, are you a person who prays? Are you a person who prays? Do you exercise dependence upon God? Prayer is what we read from Psalm 50. We is how we show that he's God and that we're not, is we call out to him in our day of trouble and he answers us. 
That's how we trust in him. He gets the he gets the glory while we get the help. And so we pray, and that's how we show dependence. Another way is repentance. Confession, you might say, is another way that we show dependent effort. Uh, repentance towards God, confession towards one another is a way that we we exercise dependent effort. Because a lot of times we want to maybe make things look like we're all okay. We see each other on Sunday or Wednesday. We say, how was your week? Oh, it was good. How can I pray for you? Uh, I want to love God more. How about you? I also want to love God more. That's great. Um, but we should pray for real things, though. We should be honest and confess, not just to God, with one another, uh, about our anger. I get upset at my parents. I yelled at someone today. Uh, I like to retaliate. Pray for my discouragement. Um, I get bummed real easy. And I give up hope. I kind of didn't want to do anything today. You can pray for, pray for my faith. I've been struggling with doubts. I've been questioning God. Please pray for me. Pray for my purity. My eyes have been wandering. I watched something this week I shouldn't have. Confessing our sin to God, confessing our sin to one another is how we humble ourselves, dispense with our ego, and and put our dependence upon God. Sharing at TYG is a great place to do that. Sharing at home is another place to do that. A lot of you grow up in, in Christian homes that do care for you, that have parents that want to know what's going on in your life and, and help disciple you through that. And even if you don't grow up in a Christian home, being open and humble about our weaknesses is a great way to be a witness because Christians don't have it all together. We continue to fail. We are works in progress. So repentance, confession is, is another way we show dependent effort. Another way we show dependent effort is through perseverance. Perseverance. It maybe sounds cheesy, but it's important. Uh, the fact that Paul felt weak was not a reason for him to give up. Paul didn't say, I, I'm weak, I've got this thorn in my flesh, so I'm just going to sit this round out. He says, this, this ride's feeling kind of uncomfortable, I think I'm just going to get off. He, he doesn't. He, it was a, a reason for him to keep on going, uh, to, to dive in further to grace, to trust him and to keep on going. I'm not talking about grit. I'm not talking about what the world calls grit. Like, I'm just going to keep on going because I'm strong and nothing's going to knock me down. That's not what he's saying. We're talking about godly perseverance. The love of Christ controls me, constrains me to follow after him. If he is honored in my weakness, then I'll be weak. I'll, I'll be weak so that he can get all the glory. So friends, how does God see us? He sees us as weak. I am weak. You are weak. And that's okay. Because he is strong. We are humans, beset by sin, beset by weaknesses. We can cast aside our ego. Our ego is such a part of the fear of man. Let us stop with trying to prove ourselves, trying to impress people, and instead... 
be rooted in God's love. Let it let his love direct and shape your life by letting you know how much you need him. Going back to the, the Marvel movies that we started with, it's not a bad thing to admire strength. I think that's part of how God made us, to admire strength. We love movies with strength, in particular strength used for others, don't we? And we are mainly meant to be in awe of God's strength. Be in awe of Christ. As you admire strength, admire Christ. He is our captain. He is our Lord. He is the strongest. And he is the one that truly saves. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we praise you. We stand before you as, as weak, humble, feeble creatures needing your grace, needing your work in our lives. Help us, God, to gladly find joy and be content in our weaknesses so that you can receive all the glory. And we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.